Welcome to the podcast, Too Deep with Dennis and Pless. I'm Dennis Stovall. Pless Kelly. Pless, how are you doing this week? Good. This is the best college football season of all time because of the chaos. And we had one game that I thought was going to be the game of the year, and it was topped the afternoon by another game. Like, I actually went to the Georgia-Auburn game. I'm glad I did. It was my son's first UGA football game. But I missed so much at the same time. Like, it was an unbelievable Saturday. I think last week we said this weekend was just going to be, you know, a couple of games. No chaos. You know, we may get one, one upset. Again, the season of chaos. It was a beautiful, chaotic college football Saturday. It embodied everything that makes college football great. One of them is the urgency of having to win every single week. And two is that your rivals at any given time can knock you off your pedestal and really put your season in a place where you did not see it going, put it in extreme jeopardy uh, in one game. And we saw that this weekend. What stood out the most to you? Which game? Oh, I got to go with the um, with the Alabama Texas A and M game. That game to me was the one game that on Alabama's schedule we we I mean as a as a show as too deep we had ridden Texas A and M off. <laughs> we were like, oh no, we we've seen enough of them. We 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 had seen enough. I mean, we saw them get beat by Arkansas um, pretty pretty handedly. And we know that, Al- and we knew that. Okay, they're going to play Alabama. Alabama's going to run right through them. It was not the case. It was a complete and total shock. And I think that I think that Alabama was a little bit shocked at the beginning of the game how it started. Well, Alabama they did run and pass all through Texas A and M. Yeah, yeah. But where was the defense? Where was the defense? That is the big question mark. And uh, it had been a calling card of Alabama in the, in the, in the previous runs of their championships, but has been missing um, as of late. Texas A&M had a great game plan for this game. They did. Um, they, and they, uh, they took, they took the one thing that I, I did see that I did like, <clears throat> they tried to spread them out, okay. get all the people out of the box, make them play on the perimeter and then just try to exploit each player individually the best way try to get the best matchup. And I think that's where Jimbo Fisher is, is an excellent uh, stra- um, strategist putting those types of plays and putting those uh, offensive sets together. It appears that he strategized for one game this whole season. One game. Did he just, <laughs> did he just think they were just going to skate through the beginning of the schedule and that Alabama was going to be the only team on their if they had handled their business, just think if they handled their business earlier in the season, where they'd be right now. I mean, I want to give him credit for having an outstanding game plan. And he did have an outstanding game plan, but you've got to do it week in and week out. So I don't really, I don't really give him too much kudos. What, I, what I'm coming to understand is, Alabama is only about offense. 
which is a 180 from when he first started in 2007, uh, Coach Saban with Alabama. It was defense first, then run the ball, you know, three yards in a cloud of smoke, and let your defense take care of everything else. And that, you know, they even had – in 2011, they had arguably the greatest defense of all time. And then six years ago, I don't know, maybe it's a coincidence. You know, he went from defense to offense. Their defensive coordinator left, and they haven't had a Alabama Nick Saban type de- defense in the last six years. And this is the uh, this is this is the game where they needed it because right. when they when they needed a stop, they couldn't get it. They they just could not get a stop. They could not put pressure on uh, Calzada. Up, I mean, they, they hit him, but they were getting there late. I mean, they were trying to be as physical as they could um, inside of the rules of the game, but uh-huh. they could not. They could not harass him enough to the to the point where he couldn't. Um, where where his game got got taken off. He was very calculated in what he was doing. Made he made some great throws. Um, Wagenmeyer and Spiller, Spiller the running back, Wagenmeyer the wide receiver. They made some great catches, and they. they the football is a game of matchups, and those guys won their matchups uh, throughout the night. And it was a high-scoring game. Uh, they just had to – Texas A&M knew that they had to get in there and they had to score. They had to uh, they had to put points up, uh, given what Alabama, like you were saying, had been doing, being an offensive juggernaut. So that was their game plan. Uh, the SEC has kind of gone away from defense as a whole outside of the University of Georgia uh, of lately. But this game – was incredible from the fact that these two teams had a uh, had one. It came down to one play. Out of everything that happened, it came down to one play. A field goal. A field goal. In the closing and moments of the fourth. What happened to tackling? What happened to there was so much so much busted coverage coverages by Alabama. Like you had receivers with no one within a 20-yard perimeter catching the ball. What? I, I, I can't explain it. Like I can, I can tell you exactly. Okay, so when okay. Texas, Texas A&M was using a lot of motion, uh-huh. um, they were. So they were overloading one side, or they take somebody from the offside. So it's very difficult for Alabama to be able to, com- to communicate in a situation that loud. Uh, where Who's got what? So they were they were playing a, a zone. They were playing basic zone defense, uh, like a three-two, three-two zone, where they're dropping everybody back into coverage, and you, you're covering you're covering your little patch, your little area. Uh, but a lot of those guys, when they do the motion, they were just covering grass. There was nobody there. So where you were supposed to be, somebody is running free through that zone, catching an easy pass and getting yards after the catch. Well, okay. You say that. Okay, so we're playing a zone defense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Calzada, I've, I saw him in at Arkansas. I saw what he was doing at Arkansas, right? right? He had deer in the headlights. Alabama made him look like a Heisman Trophy candidate. Yeah, he's, so, the, he's the hero of the season so far. Why not have an attacking style instead of playing a zone? Man up. Rush five, rush six, 
put pressure on him, force him into turnovers, get that deer in the headlights look back in his eyes, and force him to beat you. Wow. Where was that? They 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 had a plan and they didn't want to. I guess they just thought, hey, we're 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 here, we're doing this, we can't deviate from the plan right now. Um playing playing on the the hardest, hardest thing to do in college football is to win on the road. And when you get down like they were on the road, that is almost an impossible, an impossible, I guess the odd scenario to come back from. The fact that they were even in that game. Uh, is a testament to how good they are, because Texas it once it once it got to when it was seventeen to seven, I was watching it and I was saying they're in. I knew they were in trouble. They're in trouble, I, yeah. Yeah, I knew they were in trouble because it, it's not like it's not like you can you can you. It's not like basketball where you can just call a timeout and all your momentum stops. It, it doesn't it doesn't happen like that. Once they are on you and that crowd is into the game, it is so difficult. They, they come out there. You can't change. You, it's very difficult to change your offensive plays, one. It, it, is, it is very difficult to change your defensive plays because of the crowd. And then you have, you have them knowing that you're, you're playing with your back against the wall. Texas A&M knows if you make one more mistake, it's going to be 24 to 7. And then it's going to be even more, it's going to be even more difficult for you to come back. So one loss, Alabama. It's not, they're not out of it. No. They can still run the table, play UGA, presumably UGA in the SEC championship game, beat them, and make the playoffs. That, so they control their own destiny. They have to win out from here, now, from here on out. Now, they do have a, from this point forward, they do have a favorable schedule. They played the the pretty much the two toughest teams that they're going to play play this year, uh, which are L, which are um, Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Those two games are done. Uh, they're playing a lackluster LSU team and a lackluster Auburn team. And um, who else do they uh, do they have? They have Arkansas, right? Yeah, Arkansas might give them a little bit of trouble. That would be the only thing. But those are three three teams. But if they get past them, then they will be in the Georgia Dome once again, taking on the University of Georgia. Um, and Georgia, if they can run out their schedule, will have a, what we call a game to give, a mulligan. Because given what has happened around the rest of college football, they would still get in with a loss. Okay. We, we overlooked something. Mm-hmm. Florida, when they played Florida, they jumped out to an early lead. Yes. And then Florida made it a game, and Alabama held on. Maybe that was an indication of what was to happen. But we gave Nick Saban, deservedly so, the benefit of the doubt yeah. because he's been there so many years. But look what happened in the Florida game. They Florida beat them on the line of scrimmages after the first quarter or after first quarter and a half. They dominated that game. Alabama has really had a bad draw getting all these all these super talented teams on the road. That that is that is a tough thing for them to do. It it is 
they've had uh, Florida being being what they are. You, we've seen Florida has good athletes. Got a good. They now have a good running game. They have the ability to go out and do some things. But those road environments, especially in the SEC, with that with that crowd noise, tough, tough places. And that's why I was I was I was a little bit worried about Georgia this past weekend because they were going to Auburn, and I was thinking, hey, you know, is is it was the first big road test. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. Um, neither one of them had really played in an environment like that because there were no crowds last year. And, uh, JT's from the PAC 12 where they don't, there's no stadium in the PAC 12 that even comes close to an SEC stadium as far as noise and rowdy. Well, you know, <clears throat> the score what was it 34 to 10 Georgia over Auburn, right? Yes. But it was not it was not a clean game. Okay. I, I was actually at this game. I mean I had I great seats. I could see everything. Um I think I, I did text you in the middle of the game, like we're missing we're down a player. Like why is number forty seven Jackson at safety? And the reason why is because Smith the savior in the Clemson game hurt his shoulder. That changed the whole defensive plan. I believe Georgia had going into that game. And while the statistics look great, they, they were misleading because they could get Bo Nix to the ground. Like they should have. He was breaking contain. He was finding open receivers um, they just couldn't be consistent with it. Georgia went from that attacking style that we loved this year and we expected in this game. Um, what I saw in this game was reminiscent of the first five years under uh, Coach Smart. They play a cover two, basically. And yeah. they just out-athlete um, them, I guess is the term I want to use. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Now, uh, Bo Nix, well, how was, how was the crowd? Did, did you see Stetson maybe having trouble communicating to his wide receivers and running backs at all? Or defense looked like, defense looked like they knew what they're doing. But did they, did, they, uh, did, they, did they switch defenses? Was it more zone? That, that's the one thing with, with game planning. It's very difficult to change a game plan mid, in the middle of a game. Mm-hmm. So usually what you go in with, you stick with. And you just try to make small adjustments because they are college kids, and they it is hard to uh, sometimes convey uh, the, the the entire scope of a of what you're trying to do um, on the sidelines when you don't when you're not in a classroom setting where you could go back and rewind and look at tape. Um, what did what did you see? I saw, you know, they, there's a terminology called blitz rate, and Georgia was averaging like. 14.1 or 14, 14% of, percent of the time they were blitzing. I can only remember two noticeable blitzes. The first one was an escape from Knicks. The second one was a sack by, uh, I forget who it was. Um, anyways, that's all, that was the only... That's what I got concerned because I, I wasn't seeing the blitzes. I wasn't seeing that attacking style. And then I was noticing, oh, there's number 47. Why is he in the game? 
They're playing a cover two. He's got his deep half. The, it was usually the left half deep. And, you know, the zone. So what that's telling me, an injury here at the safety position may force Georgia to play a style what they haven't been doing that made them great so far this year. So that's a concern of mine. Now, Stetson Bennett, yeah, I didn't see him have any problems with the crowd, and it was a ruckus crowd for the first quarter. And then after the first quarter, when it was 3-3, you heard me and my kids mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm just not getting my voice back. I'll give a lot of kudos to Stetson Bennett. You know, he didn't overthink. He was calm, cool, collected. He was poised. He made really good throws. He... um, and I say really good and not great is because he underthrew a couple of wide open receivers. Lat McConkie comes to mind. But uh, they caught the ball. They were efficient. They weren't running the ball in the first half, but they warmed down. And in the second half, the running game took over. Yeah, no, I thought they, it was – I did think it was a very um, well-played, well-played game. On Georgia's half, they they went back, which is good, to relying on the defense, which I think they should, um, given that they're, they're just so overwhelmingly talented on defense. I knew that Auburn would have to go above and beyond anything that they had shown to even be competitive in this game. You know, give credit to Auburn, too, because they fought throughout the game. They, um, they were just overmatched, but they were physical, um, you know, they they got a little too aggressive. So did Georgia. I mean, there was two uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, one on Auburn that got a kid ejected for targeting on Bennett. And I don't know, I guess the frustrations in the first on the first drive, uh, Georgia defended through the running back to the ground. <laughs> but they play hard. They're just not there yet. This is a first-year head coach. He's got a good defensive coordinator, um, the former head coach out of Vanderbilt. Got Bobo as the offensive coordinator. So they got things in place to succeed. They're just – they don't have it all together yet. It's going to be a couple of years before that. And that's, you know, five years in a row that Georgia has beat Auburn too, by the way. Five years in a row. Yes. Oh, that, and, the storied rivalry. <clears throat> yes, the South, uh, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. But a point I wanted to make, and it was I was talking about it. The last six years have been subpar defensively for Alabama, which coincides when Kirby Smart left Alabama for Georgia, and now Georgia has this deep uh, Alabama type defense. They're challenging the 2011 uh, Alabama defense for the all-time statistical defense ever. The two things when I look at this this defense, I was like, one, how are you going to score against these guys? They have no weak points. And number two, the quarterbacks that are in the SEC right now are not as near as talented as they have been the last couple years. 
So that is a double-edged sword. We have really good defense and quarterback play is not up to the standard of this conference right now. So it is – Georgia is overwhelming teams where you're you, – they probably go into their meeting saying, okay, you got to look out for this, 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 this. And the quarterbacks are looking like, okay, I got to do all these checks before I even get to my the cadence to call the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so – and they're and they're young – they're younger quarterbacks – so it is not a it is it is no fun being out there playing against this Georgia defense. If you have this Georgia defense on your schedule, kiss your Heisman hopes goodbye because you might not even get in the end zone because there's only right. been two. You've only been scored on twice, and uh, they have a tough test again um, this week with Kentucky. Yeah, who at the beginning of this season would you say? Oh, that Kentucky game. That Kentucky game is going to be the the game on the schedule that's going to determine this season but it turns out now that it is going to and they, they still have florida lurking um that is true so but they'll have a bye week you know what florida uh kentucky played lsu and thrashed lsu this past week but they didn't come out unscathed neither did georgia they didn't come out unscathed on the injury uh, front but i think georgia is more healthy or healthier than Kentucky because they lost Kentucky lost a defensive lineman um, for the year, but Mark it's Mark Stoops, not Bob Stoops. It's Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops. Mark Stoops has his team playing, and whew, he may have gotten um, Coach O fired after what he did to uh, after what they did to LSU last week. Yeah, it is a hard deal to uh, to imagine that. They have fallen this far, this fast, from winning a national championship two years. How long can you live off that national championship? That is a uh, that's a, that's a that's a question that they're probably asking themselves. It's like he's he he got us another national championship. We're very grateful, but when do we part ways with this guy? Well, I. I probably would have parted ways with him last year after he lost the locker room. He lost the locker room last year, and he was not able to get that locker room back this year. But it, it, the one part about it that is so hard to do is, especially last year, is firing firing the coach during a COVID season. Auburn did it. That's true. Auburn's heartless, though. Those are heartless. That's a, that, is right. a heartless, that is a heartless organization over there. How long? How long did it take before after? Uh, it was it not not Gene? Was it Gene Chizik? Or, or who was the coach before? Who was the coach with Cam? Chizik. It was Chizik. three years after Chizik. And then three years after Chizik. Yeah, yeah. That was that was that was quick. It was quick. So, so I don't know. Well, you know, he's just got, you know, with. Um, the locker room with his personal uh, indiscretions. We'll leave it at that. Like he can't. He, he LSU can't keep going on with this individual. They have to move on. Yeah, I think that they have to. Uh, that they have to because it's it's not gonna it, it's not gonna get better. It it it's trending in a way down. I can't remember. Any quarterback, any any LSU team outside of, there was there's one when I was in college. Remember that? Remember the one play where? Uh, remember the the, the Kentucky quarter coach was uh, celebrating 
Ah, this is so long ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the Hail Mary? And the Hail Mary. That's the only time <laughs> that is the only time that I can remember LSU even coming close to losing to Kentucky. And they got drilled on Saturday. Well, I don't know. Like, Kentucky, uh, I didn't see them. I saw them having, like, I thought they were going to go, like, eight and four this year. I knew that they had a decent team. I knew that uh, Coach Mark Stoops, he was building a program there that was competitive, but I didn't see 6 and 0. And I didn't see them challenging for the SEC East. I didn't see it coming down to this game to be the leader at this point of the season. And it would be determined with Kentucky and Georgia. Ah, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, and this is this is a this is a big game, and we're at three thirty. Georgia University of Georgia is at three thirty against Kentucky, and this is in Athens, right? It is in it's in Athens, and College Game Day will be there for the second time in three weeks. That is that is awesome. It's good for Pollock, <laughs> right? He gets to he gets to stay home, no planes. So that wasn't you know the outcome of. Kentucky and LSU was a surprise. What was yes, the surprise? It, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, no, oh. I was gonna say, uh, yeah, I was, I was shocked. I, I was, I was kind of flipping back and forth um, uh-huh. at at that point, and I was like, oh, it's at some point, at some point, you just think that LSU has better players, and they're just gonna hand the ball to somebody, and that dude's gonna run all over them. Didn't happen. No, no, it didn't happen. And again, that's that's culture. Because they do have better athletes. Uh, perennially, LSU has better athletes. This year, they have better athletes. So it boils down to coaching. Can you imagine uh, LSU alumni sitting up together? It's like, ooh, man, those less miles days were, were so much better than this. Can you imagine that? Oh, no. How awful, how awful that would be. <laughs> do more with less. Longing, less. Long, longing, for their, longing for their less miles era of of LSU no no man. I they weren't longing for less they were longing for Nick <laughs> yeah because yeah less he got fired out of Kansas yeah he did <laughs> for something he did. he did at LSU like yeah yeah sir he, he's he's um he is not a good coach but they the coach they have now is not good either no he's he puts good assistants assistants around him um Brady, and then he just hap- – and Brady turned um, Burrow into this phenomenal quarterback who's – if he doesn't get killed with the Bengals, he's going to be an all-pro at the NFL level. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's already asserting himself as one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL because so, of what he did, because of what he was able to do in that, with that LSU situation that he was thrown into. You know what, we um, – in our picks for last week, we chose Penn State over Iowa. And I was, I was looking at the scoreboard, you know, I kept looking, kept looking, and it was like, okay, 17 to 7 or 17 to 3, something like that. And I was like, yeah, Iowa – or Penn State has this locked up. And then I heard – 
their quarterback got injured. Yeah, <laughs> that was a, that was a huge blow, huge blow to the uh, to the Penn State Nittany Lions because they had uh, they were they were humming, you know they they oh, yeah. had yeah they had kind of figured figured it out and they were like okay we can manage this we just can't make mistakes and um, we'll be able to do this. They were rocking and rolling, like they had that game under control, and then the injury happened. And Iowa pulled it out. Kudos to Iowa. But I wholeheartedly believe that Penn State, if they had kept, if the quarterback hadn't got hurt, that he would have won that game, hands down. And the the quarterback for Iowa, uh, Petrus, I mean, was efficient. I mean, he had he it was seventeen for thirty one. Uh, 195, two TDs, but the running game of Iowa was a star because they 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 were able to get it to second and short, third and shorts, and when they got it there, they were able to 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 convert it, and that that was the thing. If you can if you can convert those short short down and distances mm-hmm. over the course of a game, you're you're going to win. And knowing that that okay, their their main dude, their starting quarterback is out. They were like, okay, we got him at home. They, it was a perfect storm. They had him at home, banged up backup quarterback with oh that that crowded. That is one thing. That was a that was a hard 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 place to play that day. Very difficult right. to play. The crowd was up, but they had they had the game under control. They had uh, I I mean Penn State. They had the game under control. And the stars were playing, and they were producing. And then, you know, that, that's football. Injuries happen. And you have to have that backup, i.e. Stetson Bennett, to be able yeah. to step up and produce. And uh, go ahead. Iowa had uh, – well, Fox Fox Sports was there for, the, uh, for their kickoff. That was their big, big, uh, big game of the, the week. And they had uh, the current uh, WWE champion who played at Iowa. They're doing the picks for them. Uh, his name is Big E. And he was so hype. I've never seen somebody come out this hype and get uh-huh. a crowd this hyped up for, uh, for a game. And I was kind of just looking at it. I was like, wow. They really, I mean, they, sometimes you think that they have a chance, then sometimes you don't. I, I Going in and after that, I was like, maybe they got a chance to do this. And then once the quarterback got out, I was like, oh, this is this. It just did not. It just the things that were going against Penn State or the day not being in their favor started that morning. And it, the nail in the coffin was the quarterback being down. Because if he's healthy, Penn State wins that game. Oh, undoubtedly. Let me ask you a question. Does Iowa still have the pink locker room for the visitors? Or the ah, that's, that's a good question. That's a good question. They still might. They still like <laughs> that is a very interesting, uh, very interesting way to do your to do your you do your stadium. But yeah, that 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 pink locker room is legend. How upset are you with the OU Texas game? I am extremely upset about that game because uh-huh. Texas did everything but win that game. <laughs> <laughs> Texas Every- uh, Texas played like Texas. And I can't believe I picked Texas to win that game. I was like, hey, you know, I was, you were feeling pretty good. Ninety nine percent of the game. I was. I really that, was. It was that one percent that got you. <laughs> hey, they got they got Falcons. 
<laughs> yeah, Atlanta Falcons. You got you got to finish. You have to finish in in Texas. The one thing your special teams have to be on point in a rivalry game. That is right. the one part of your game that has to be the tightest that it has ever been in the rivalry because those special team tilts are huge in a game like that. And that game was decided by that by that that fumble on the kickoff return. Okay, first, mm-hmm. how far have you ever seen anyone fall as far as Spencer Rattler has from the beginning of the season? Never, now? never. But there, he, he, him, and him and Sam Howell, um, the the two uh, frontrunners for the Heisman Trophy this year, have fallen so far that th- they went from consensus first round picks to maybe third round, fourth, possibly. How many millions of dollars have they played themselves out of? They should have come out last year. It is, it, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing the amount of money that has been lost in these, in the, in these first five games for them, especially, especially Spencer, because Spencer was the next man up. He, everybody had him as the next best quarterback coming into the NFL. He kind of fits. He was kind of like that Patrick Mahomes style, you know, kind of gunslinger, getting outside the pocket, making all the moves. But he has looked bad against bad against bad teams, not good teams, not great teams. He hasn't. They haven't even played an elite team yet. Haven't even played one. So, what does Lincoln Riley do now? The coach of Oklahoma. Does he stick with uh, Rattler? Do they battle it out in practice this week? Or does he just go with Caleb Williams? I think I, I from a from a standpoint of how the team reacted, I would go with Caleb, but I would keep Spencer right there by me just in case he falters, because it it's hard to uh, it's hard to demote somebody who who has been your 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 starting quarterback this whole time, mm-hmm. but if they keep him in there, if they lose that game against Texas. Yes, yes. Well, he had a fumble and an interception before they yanked him. Yes. So, the next thing, the next question I have. Have you ever seen, with what, seconds left on the clock, a run for a touchdown to win the game 40 yards out? All you got to do is push him out of bounds. Don't even try to tackle him. Just push him out of bounds. Just get get him on the ground. Get him on the ground. That, that's all you got to do. Do not. Do not let them run. That That is that is a want-to play, and Texas didn't want to on that play. Didn't want to because you just got to bring him down. You've got, tw- you got 11 guys out there. You got – and he had a couple one-on-ones. There were three – he ran between three Texas players, and nobody laid a hand on him. Oh, my – that's just disgusting. Like that's like, oh, the defense. Like, is where's the heart? That is something that they got to recruit for. That's something they they have to get. They have to recruit better defensive players. That that period, period. Their offense looks like like Sarkeesian got in there and 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 righted the ship immediately. But they have to recruit better defensive players because that is unacceptable to be run on like that in a game that you had in hand. I don't even know the defensive coordinator for 
Texas, but I I wouldn't I would have I would not have been shocked or surprised if Sarkeesian had fired him right after that game. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say it. Uh, Dan Quinn was actually up for that job. Um, believe it or not, he was up for the DC of Texas. He ended up taking the uh, DC job. Um, of the Dallas Cowboys, he's doing a great job. Yes, but, he is. Yeah, but but yeah, no, they need they need something. They need someone in there who who can who can scheme a better way to use the players that they have. Uh, if not, this is going to be a reoccurring thing for them. And I, I will say this for Sarkeesian: it is only his first season there. He's got to he, what he has to do. He has to clean house and. Get rid of this the heartless uh, players and bring in players that's going to play with heart. Like it's, yeah. it's that simple. I don't care if they're three stars. Th- you you can build three stars up, um, and three stars are going to come with heart. Like they're not going to be entitled. They're going to come and they are going to want to prove themselves. If you have the right coaching too. Yeah. This is uh, we are five games five games into the season. And six, they have six, six, games. six, six games in the season. And um, outside of the Arkansas game, they have been uh, in every single game. But those are big games. Those, those are, are rival. Games. Those are your yeah. rivals. Yeah. You so know, they, the boosters they, aren't going to like that. And you know what the, know what the hard part is for Texas? This weekend, they got to go right into and play o- o- uh, Oklahoma State, who is undefeated. Oh, Oklahoma State. That's another team. Gundy, you got to keep yeah. an eye out on yeah, that they, because right. they, they could be they could be Oklahoma right now. Yeah, that's that's going to be if they both stay undefeated. Bedlam at the end of the season <laughs> is going to be one of the craziest games because that is going to be for the spot in mm-hmm. the uh, the Big Twelve Big Twelve Championship, or they might have to rematch it. See, the Big Twelve is kind of kind of kind of weird. Because there aren't two conferences, they just play round robin. They just play straight through, and it's the best two teams to get in. Right, and they don't have enough uh, enough teams to separate into two divisions. No, well. no. <laughs> but but Baylor is also out there as one of the possible possible teams. Big Twelve is kind of crazy, but Oklahoma has been right for the pickings. I thought that they that this week would be the week, but. We were throwing back out there, and you never know. Any of these teams that are playing them can get them because they, they, they have shown that they play down their competition and they might not be able to play up to somebody else's. And um, Oklahoma and Texas, uh, they're not SEC ready yet. They have a long ways to go. <sighs> they got to get ready because that is coming soon. And that, this, is, this, is, this is a very different type of football they're about to start playing. You got Kentucky, you got Georgia, you got Alabama – you got Arkansas. You got some. You got some teams that haven't been good, and those teams that 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 are usually good are on their way back. Mm. And you know what? Here's a thought. I thought they were gonna do the buyout and leave early, pay the absurd amount of money to leave a couple years early. It may behoove them to stay until that contract ends. Yeah. And build up their respective programs and then join yeah. the SEC. Just, just let them know that we're going eventually. You saw <laughs> now you're going to get your two years in the SEC. 
Um, but we need you now to help help make our team better uh, so we can get more recruits and then get better players to match, match the SEC. But, yeah, they're not SEC ready as of yet. No, no. So I think what last week we talked about the Pac-12 and we repredicted what team or what the conference was going to shake up, shake out. Arizona State and Stanford played. We talked about Stanford, how, you know, I think you said they were better than what we thought going into the season. Um, they looked they looked kind of abysmal in a couple of games. But they pulled out the win against was it Oregon? Who did they beat? Uh, was it Oregon? Stanford. Uh, yes, they beat Oregon, and uh, they also have a victory over USC. And they played on Friday night. It went under the radar. Played against Arizona State, who I picked to win the Pac-12. And you were a hundred percent right because Stanford. I picked Stanford because I thought I thought they had uh, I thought they had something special, but. Arizona State is shockingly better than – they're the best team in the Pac-12. They are. Yeah, they are. Best team. And Coach Herm Edwards, like, he has a running game. The quarterback is efficient. And the defense is playing sound. They are – hey, they're only – they're 5-1. and one. They got beat by uh, Fresno State. The Pac-12 so killers. A, yeah, the Pac-12 killers. Killers, Fresno State. <laughs> so uh, maybe they just overlooked Fresno State. I don't know how or why they would do that, but they look good against Stanford, and Stanford have been playing some good ball of late. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and put them winning in, in the Rose Bowl now. That <laughs> it's going to be – that means you're going to say there there will be some ups and downs, and it does it, – it is bad they have that one loss to Fresno – but it's a long season. Who, who knows what's going to happen with that four spot? Because that, that four spot is very much up for grabs, especially if Alabama – especially if Alabama – well, now, here's the one thing. If Georgia beats Alabama, Alabama's not getting in. No. No, they're not, not get, They're, they're not going to get in with two losses. So, no. th- their, uh, their entire season right now is a, is a one-game elimination scenario. You not know, we said – we oh, say okay. that they they yeah, don't, they yeah. won't get in with two losses, but as chaotic as the season has been, you may see a lot of teams with one loss, two losses, perennial powerhouses with multiple losses. You know, a two-loss Alabama team may be better than – well, they are better than a one-loss, say, Notre Dame team yeah. or right now a one-loss Oklahoma team, yeah. you know. So I'm not going to completely rule, rule them out with two losses. I will say they it'll be like a 2% chance that they get in. So. I mean, Ohio State is back in play right now. Oh, are they not looking good? Yeah, they look like they've they've uh they figured some things out. They righted the ship right now. That's what it looks like. And it's going to be tough for um for them, you know, they still have Penn State, Michigan. Michigan is also looking good right now. So, so there are there that the Big Ten is the the conference to watch now as far as who's going to come out of there because there are a lot of good matchups left in that in right. that season. Right, and the Big Ten is the best uh, conference in college football this year. Right, I agree. And, yeah, and whew. so 
Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa are still at play in the Big Ten. I guess we can roll out Penn State now. Michigan State's still undefeated. And Michigan State, yeah. yeah. They got the uh, best running back in the nation, uh, Walker the third. Yep. They put it to Rutgers this weekend. They did. They did. But if I had to start – if I had to pick four teams now, the fourth team would be Cincinnati. Yeah, they they had a well one great win yesterday I mean, last last week over Notre Dame. Then they absolutely uh, they steamrolled who they played this week. Temple, fifty two to three. Now here here's the thing. I know we we do a preview show, um, uh-huh. but but I will ponder this. They have UCF this Saturday. Ooh, okay, Gus Malzahn, is, right? Yes. Is that a trap game for Cincinnati? No, no. Okay, I I don't believe so. I I think they have athletes across the board, offense and defense. Um, I haven't studied Central Florida too much right now. Um, I just knew I know Gus Malzahn is down there. I don't see Cincinnati falling into a trap game after what they did last year and continuing that success into this year. But I also want to look out for Coastal Carolina. Coastal? Like, still going. Still going. Like, Grayson McCall may be the best quarterback in the nation. Yep. Uh, like, they're winning. And, you know, you can only play who's in front of you. And they're in the Sun Belt. They just beat Arkansas State. Um, but, you know, 52 points they put on the board. Undefeated, 15th in the AP poll right now. Ugh. I love this season. Yeah, me too. It, it, it's, it's great. I already can't wait for I already can't wait for Saturday. And then just run down a couple of more scores. Wake Forest still undefeated, beat Syracuse 40 to 37. Uh and who else who else stood out to you? Pitt. Pitt, another ACC team <laughs> that is uh, that is blowing doors off people. Uh, they blew the doors off of Georgia Tech, huh? Yes, yes, they did. Um, so, so that they do have a, a loss from earlier this season, but they're a team that I think will be contending um, later in the year. ACC is also. I mean, th- this 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 is one season where you could say that every single conference except for the SEC is up for grabs of the Power right. Five. Right, correct. And yeah, it's funny. I a friend of mine, Trent, he called me um last night because he wanted to talk about Georgia Tech. And um he was we were talking about the pit game and it's just there's a lot of um growing up that tech has to do. And I, I think Jeff Collins, if he could get his quarterback situation straightened out, um I think in just one or two more, two more years, Tech will be contending for the ACC. I do see that. Yeah, yeah, it, and that's hard for that's hard for me to say being a UGA fan. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely have the they're in the right the right spot geographically, uh-huh. and they do have some heritage with that with that program. Um, and the SEC, I mean, the ACC is 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 doing a complete resurface of, of what their identity was. It's been Clemson for so long 
but um, it doesn't look like it's going to be them going forward. So there is the next team up and whoever is going to get that spot, is going to start this year. Yep. So, you know, the outlook for the ACC, I mean, Wake Forest is still undefeated. So don't forget about Wake. Um, Pitt's looking strong. Uh, Florida State is down. Miami is down. Clemson is down. You know, I thought North Carolina was going to step up. Duke is who they are still, you know. But, yeah, Cutcliffe, he can put some uh, points on the board. So, you know, if you can outscore a team, uh, so watch out for Duke upsetting someone this year. It's it, it, it seems like across the board there's a changing of the guard. Yeah, yeah. Changing of the guard. And Clemson, I'm going to say this officially, Clemson's window's closed. It's over. It's a wrap. Is it a wrap for just this year or for the oh, foreseeable it's, future? It's for the foreseeable future. They um, Offensively, they are going to struggle. Defensively, they're going to be pretty good. But, yeah, it's done. It, it is done. One last thing, one last game that I, I just want to ask you about. The uh, <clears throat> extra two in the Ole Miss-Arkansas game. Do you agree with the call? Uh, okay, I, I'm going to I'm going to agree with it because you haven't been able to stop them all day. The chances of you being able to stop them in overtime at their place are very slim. You have one one play to win the game and get out of there, and you have it at the three yard line. Run your best play, and that's the only thing that. I have issues with is that I do not think that was the best play. Uh, it, it was not. It was not. I would have ran some type of RPO. Yes, run pass option. Exactly. Like, instead of rolling out to the right with a short field, yeah. everybody in a, a crowded place, rushers coming, run the RPO, like, you know, put the um, ball in the belly of the, uh, you know, of the running back. Pull it out if you see your first option open. Throw the ball or run it. Like you're, that's a big quarterback. That's a Cam Newton style uh, type player. Yeah. But I do agree with the call. I'm loving what um, Sam Pittman is doing up in Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, especially with the the way the field goal kicking is going this season. I am not putting the. I'm not putting on my kicker to win the game. I rather have. I rather have my football people out there making the making the play. <sighs> making plays. So who are your big time players making plays this weekend, this past weekend? All right. We're going to start off with your dude, Kenneth Walker, the third. Yes. Uh, from Michigan state, 29 carries, 232 yards and one touchdown uh, leading them over Rutgers. Very impressed with him. Um, hopefully he's a San Diego charger, an LA charger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very shortly. I'm going with Oklahoma's, Caleb Williams coming in for the bench uh Spencer Rattler taking over the game, going 16 to 25, 212 yards passing and two TDs. And then he had four rushes for 88 yards in one TD. Good job, Caleb. You may have just played your way into a starting position for the powerhouse Oklahoma Sooners. You save the season. All right. I'm gonna have P- Spencer Petrus uh 17 for for uh Iowa. 
and their their upset win, if you can call it an upset, win over over Penn State, seventeen for thirty one, one hundred ninety five yards and two touchdowns. Sticking with the Red River rivalry, I'm gonna go with Texas's wide receiver Xavier Worthy, nine receptions, two hundred and sixty one yards receiving and two TDs. He has heart. He yeah. played hard. Yeah, yep. it was, that loss was not on him whatsoever. He did everything <laughs> in his power to win that game. Who else do you have? I have one Dale Robinson, uh, oh. wide receiver for Kentucky. Not a huge game, but he had some great catches. And um, LSU's secondary is still pretty talented. Um, they're, they are one, they're, they're known as DBU. Uh, he had right. eight catches, 60 yards, one touchdown in a win over LSU. Is he going to be a threat for Georgia? He's going to be somebody I'm going to keep my eye on. Um, he is their he is their go to receiver. Uh-huh. So if they have any chance at this at winning this game, he's going to be somebody who they have to get the ball in their hands, find some way to do it. Short passes, screen passes, long ball, find a way to get Wandale the ball in space. And get some plays. But he's going to have to have a monster game for them to win this game. And my third big-time player is for the resurgent Ohio State Buckeyes quarterback, C.J. Stroud, 24-33, 406 yards and five TDs this past weekend. Hey, he may be in the Heisman race once again. Yeah. Because he has – Ohio State clicking right now. It looks like, like you said, they've turned it around. Yeah, they're back. They're back in it. There, there is in it. There is alive as anybody right now in this uh, race for the final four spots in the college football playoff. You know, it's been so chaotic and so many different teams losing unexpectedly. Like everybody is still in it, really. Even with one loss, I think everybody is still in it at this point. And we're only six games into it, uh, halfway at the halfway point. I don't think only one team has distinguished themselves, and that's University of Georgia. I think everything else is up for grabs. I agree. I agree with that. Plus, please tell the listeners where they can find us. All right. We are online at www. T-W-O-D-E-E-P.com. And also, we are on Instagram. We're developing our own Instagram, but right now we're using uh, Clang and Bang's Instagram, which is bangin' underscore and underscore clangin' podcast. Um, and we're working on creating our own um, Instagram for that, so you can see us. And also, we can post some uh, some football tidbits for you every single week. All right. That's what's up. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on the podcast Too Deep with Dennis and Pless. I'm Dennis Stovall. Pless Kelly. Until next time. Thank you. 